You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. I want to thank Daniele and uh, Pastor Tyler for allowing me to bring the Word of God this morning. It's just such a pleasure to be in this church and also to be in IBTI. And uh, I have a scripture to bring to you today. Uh, My text is from John 10, if you want to look up John 10. It was wonderful to hear Tom's testimony. You know, some of us come to Christ easily and some of us come dragging, kicking and screaming. And I was one of those who didn't come easily. I was a very rebellious kind of person. And um, God, in his graciousness, brought me to himself. In my days of searching, uh, right from a child, I always wanted to know God. My family was not a Christian family. And um, uh, as time went on, I began more and more to search for him. And I was looking this way and that way, this religion, that religion, this philosophy, that philosophy. Um, Because Christianity was a problem to me. The way I saw Christianity was that if I became a Christian, my life would become very boring. And I'm sorry to say that is not true, but that was my perception. And so I avoided Christians and I avoided the church for years. Wasted years, I must say. But God, in the end, through my life circumstances, he brought me to my knees. And I began to read the Bible. I wouldn't go to church. I wouldn't talk to Christians. But God led me to read his word. And as I read his word, he revealed who Jesus was. And he revealed the need that I had to turn to him. And so I want to read from John 10, just from verse 9 to 11. There's not time to read it all. It says in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief who does not come who does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. As I read this scripture, I could see that Jesus was the door. He was the way to salvation. And I could also see that there was a thief who was out to rob me of my life. And that led me to realize that I had to make a decision whether I was going to go for life in Christ or be, have my life destroyed. Now what really grabbed me in the scripture, among other scriptures, was that Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Now, I had enjoyed my, what I call, BC days, my before Christ days. Um, I love parties, I love good living, and um, I just really enjoyed my life. So, until I came to my knees, I saw no reason for me to turn and become a boring Christian. But, 
thank God I saw this scripture and it just grabbed me. And I said, yes, Lord, I'll give my life to you. And I'm expecting that abundancy that you promise. And since that day that I gave my life to him, I've lived in that expectation. And I can say I'm going to be 30 years old this year. And all those years I have lived in abundance. And I thank God for his promises are true. Amen. Let me give a little description of um, the word, define the word abundant or abundance. It says in the Children's Oxford Dictionary that this word is not a common word. It's not an everyday word. And we really can't be surprised at that because this word relates to the life of Jesus Christ. In the Collins Dictionary, it says that this, mean, this means it's plentiful. It means more than enough. It means having plenty of something. And so when I say abundance, this is what I mean. Jesus is talking about more than enough. When Jesus says in this scripture, he is saying, I came that they, they may have a plentiful and a more than enough life. And I thank God that I can prove today that this is true. Now, what do we mean when we're talking about abundance? You know, we've just had Christmas. And I'm sorry for those of you who live in countries where you don't celebrate Christmas in the way we do, particularly in the UK. I must say I had a wonderful Christmas. I was with my family down in Cornwall. We had so much food, we could hardly fit it on the table. We had chocolates and chocolates till they were coming out of our ears. And this was more than enough. But this is not the abundance that Jesus is talking about. So let us look a little bit further at abundance. You see, God is an abundant God. If you just look at his creation and see what an amazing God he is. You know, it's more than our tiny minds can grasp at times. The other day, I was talking to someone who was standing in front of what was a sunset going on behind. And the, the sky just filled with gold and orange. And I was talking to this person, but I was thinking, Lord, what an amazing sight. Nobody could paint a picture like that but God. He gives us such beauty because he is such a great creator. He's a God of variety. During my Christmas holidays, I was spent some time in London and the weather had grown, become cold and I went to walk around a park. And there was, um, there's ponds there and a little stream and part of it had iced over. And all the birds had sort of huddled together. There were swans, there were geese, there were ducks, there were moorhens. There were all these birds. And it was quite humorous because the ducks were trying to walk on the ice and they were skidding as they were going along. But I thought, Lord, you are just so amazing. When God created a duck, he didn't just create one duck. He created so many ducks in this world and we are still finding new varieties and we have the privilege of naming them. As God said that man could name the animals, we are still naming them. So we see that God is an abundant God. 
God does nothing meager. That is, he does nothing small. We say in UK, he, would, he does nothing by halves. So he is a tremendous God. And as we can see the tremendous abundant God, so we can look at the abundant life that Jesus offers us. 1 Corinthians verse 27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now that is a whole sermon in itself. But just think, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, when we receive Christ, he comes to live with us and he comes to live within us. And so, as he comes to live with us and within us, he brings all that we could possibly need in life for ourselves and for those around us. In fact, what we have received in Christ is overflowing to those around us. We might not be aware of it, but if you have abundant life in Christ, that is what is happening. In Christ, we have unconditional love. Where can you find the love of Jesus? Who will love you whatever. Who loves you no matter what you look like, what you do or what you say. He brings abundant love that we might have peace that passes all understanding. And what a price that is. You cannot buy peace. But Jesus brings peace that passes beyond what we can understand. He gives us joy that gives us strength. I love joy. My mother's name is Joy. You must have lots of strength, Joy. He gives us that joy. You know, in the midst of problems, that joy is our strength. He gives us wisdom, grace and favor. There are so there is so much that comes from God. How can we possibly contain it? It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. I'll just read a part of it because of time. But it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. What a wonderful thing for us to to know. We have all the resources in him to serve him. When we become Christians, we are living to serve Jesus. But we don't serve him out of our own strength. We have all the resources there. We have all the resources to encourage one another. That is part of our service to the Lord, is to encourage our brothers and sisters. We have the resources to lift those up who are in the depth of despair. And we see much despair around us. But thank God, we're not operating it with our own fuel. It's the fuel of the Holy Spirit. And thank God for that abundance that he gives us. The way I see it is fundamentally, we are witnesses for Jesus. And the abundant life within us gives us that ability to witness for him. People will see a difference in your lives, or they should do. The way you speak, the way you behave. I know when I became a Christian, there was a dramatic change in my speech. There was a dramatic change in my behavior. And my family were amazed. My brother said, what, you? You've become a Christian. Yes, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
I'm still praying for him. <laughs> People see the difference. They see you've got a joy. You have a peace and a confidence. We don't have to fear the future like the world is in fear. We see terrible things happening around us, but we don't have to have that fear. I remember one time I was working at Exeter University and I was flying from Bristol to Edinburgh to see my family. And I said to them, um, I need to settle my tea money because if I die on, my, on the flight, you'll be talking about how I never settled my debt. And I don't want that. And I didn't know that one of the girls in the office had an absolute fear of flying. In fact, she didn't go on holiday the places she wanted to go because of the fear of flying. And she took up what I said, and I had an opportunity to witness to her and tell her, if I die on that flight, I'm going to be with Jesus, and it's better than being here. And I don't think she's ever forgotten that witness to her. In, the secular, in your secular work, you have such an opportunity to be a witness for the Lord. And in some respects, I do miss that, being in a, in a Christian environment. I worked in council tax benefits once, and that place was like World War III. The atmosphere in that place you could cut with a knife. But you know, I wasn't aware of it. But a girl said to me one day, why are you always smiling? And I said, well, I suppose I've got something to smile about. And I went on to tell her about my faith in Christ. You see, we, with the abundance of life within us, we are witnesses for Jesus. Our homes have lovely atmospheres. We get used to the lovely environment. You know, IBTI, we live in this godly environment, and we can become over-familiar with it. But when people come, they are touched. They can sense the presence of God in the place. In our homes... I've had non-Christians come and stay with me and they say, there's a lovely atmosphere in your home. And whatever they say about me, I can say, it's not me, it's Jesus. And that is my witness for him. As a, as a witness, you may be accepted, you may be rejected, you may be tolerated. This is what we go through as Christians. But if you're rejected, don't take it personally, because we are the fragrance of Christ wherever we go. There, there is a smell about us. Some people like the smell, and some people don't. But they will never forget you. You may think you were just passing by in their lives, but they will always remember that you were a Christian. And at some point or other, they'll come, you'll come back to their remembrance. <coughs> I've just been uh, to be with my family at Christmas and I come from the West Country and the West Country for um, students it's right down south in, in England and whenever I go I'm always reminded of John Wesley I don't know if you learn about him in your studies talk about abundance that man John Wesley and his brother you know he, he rode around on a horse in the most terrible weathers in Cornwall and he preached the gospel everywhere he went. 
He would be stoned out of villages, but he would sit on his horse at the top of the village and preach the gospel. And through him, God brought revival to Cornwall and to parts of Devon. And you can see chapels in the middle of nowhere, just a little Methodist chapel. And I think, wow, it must have been amazing to live in those times. I've been to a place called Wenat Pit. If ever you have an opportunity to go there, John Wesley used to preach at the bottom as the miners came out from their work. And I went there a little while ago, and there's a big sign, and it says, John Wesley, the world is my parish. And as I stood there and looked at it, I just felt the presence of God in that place. And I thought, how amazing, the world is my parish. You know, through his influence and the Methodist church, people have come to Christ all over the world. So in a sense, the world was his parish, but he never actually went to those places. He went to the States. I don't know if he went to Europe, but he's never been to Africa. He's never been to China. And yet, it became his parish. Because of the abundant life in him, he went thousands of miles. I read that read that he rode 250,000 miles on his horse. Talk about saddle sore, hey? But it was that abundant life that drove him. And we as Christians, we are driven by the abundant life within us. You know, they talk about, oh, that person's driven. To be driven in the wrong sense is not a good thing. But John Wesley was surely driven by the abundance of life within him. And what an influence he had. Him and his brother, they wrote over 6,500 hymns. And many of them are sung today. And I was in a, I was in a, a funeral once abroad in a poor country. I won't say where. But they, it was a Methodist, it was a funeral in a Methodist church. And they were singing these Methodist hymns and the exuberance of God in these people. And I thought, thank God for that man, John Wesley. How amazing. And you know, we in, in, in uh, us British people, we can become depressed about the state of our nation, but we should remember the inheritance that we have. And if God did it once, he can do it again. And we, we believe that he is going to do it again, in one way or another. You know, John Wesley, he never had a mobile phone. He never had a laptop, and he didn't have an iPad. And yet, look at the influence that he made in that place. So thank God for that. In fact, there's a funny story. My sister lives in a little hamlet, and there's a Methodist church that's become a house. And her church were going to baptize some people in the stream. And the guy who bought, bought it and turned it into a house, he came out and he said, that's my land, that's my land. So my sister said, oh, no, it's not. This is where we come to baptize people, and it's common land, and we're allowed to do it. So he went marching off to the council to find that they were right. That is established. That stream is for baptizing people. Hallelujah. (laughs) Right. Now, let me say that abundant life is nothing to do with your comfort zone. Okay? 
Abundant life is not to do with nice, comfortable leather armchairs or luxury cars, as much as we like them. When we're talking about abundant life, that is not what Jesus meant, although he does provide in amazing ways. I've known three times the Lord has given me business class when I've gone on mission, and there's no way I could ever afford business class. But that's the kind of thing that God does. So I sat in business class. I sat in abundance with the newspaper, with the little wine and the menu. Anyway, that was God treating me. But that is not a life, that is not my expectation of abundant life in Christ. Sometimes we are so preoccupied with our comfort that we will not do what God expects us to do. I think the directors of IBTI will excuse me for saying this, that IBTI, it has its comforts, but it also has its discomforts. And, <laughs> you know, mushrooms in the, bar, in the shower, <laughs> the beds that creak, you know, there is a lot of discomfort there, but there is great abundance. Isn't there, students? There is great abundance. I've never met a student who's come to IBTI and not left with just something great in God. Okay? And it's nothing to do with the furniture or the fabric of the place. There is another dimension to IBTI. And as students, if you're not prepared to put up with that discomfort, you'll miss out on what God has for you. You'll miss out on what he can impart into your life and prepare you for the future. In Matthew 7, 31 to 33, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In Luke 6, it says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken, and overflowing. You see, an aspect of abundance, from my understanding of Scripture, is that Jesus wants us to be givers first. And if we cannot be givers, we can't become takers. We will miss out on all the blessings. You know, for the missionaries here who've left their homes, you will never lose out because God is an abundant God and he's with you in what you do. As we make sacrifices, as we pay the cost, there is also a coming back. You see, that was another problem I had with becoming a Christian, was I had to give up my life for Christ. That meant I had to give up my way of living. I had to give up the parties. I had to give up the things that I enjoyed doing that I knew would not be acceptable as a Christian. But when I came to that place of giving my life to him, I received so much more. Luke 9 says, He who saves his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. And I can say, I have gained so much more from Christ than I ever gave up. And I really wonder what I thought the big deal was, because my life was not so great after all. It was a misconception. But I have had life in abundance for 30 years, and I thank God for that. Through all difficulties, 
through all so many battles that you face. You see, abundant life comes that we can overcome. Let me say this, life has its ups and downs. It has its good times and its bad times. But And a life in Christ does not exclude us from these difficulties. We live in, a perf- in an imperfect and fallen world. But Jesus gives us the ability to endure, to overcome, to get through the troubles, to get over the disappointments. And he even works those things for our own good. I remember going through a very traumatic time in my life. And every time I passed through the door at the church, the pastor would say to me, all things work together for good. And I think, if he says that to me again. (laughs) But in hindsight, I can say it's true. It's true. But I'm very careful about saying it to other people. But I'll say it from the pulpit. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. The key is that you love God and you're called to his purpose. And if you have those two ingredients, he will work everything together for good. You know, people have said to me, how do you live the way you live? And I say, it's it's Jesus. There's nothing about me. You know, it's Jesus. Tragedy and defeat can be very different from God's perspective. When the disciples saw Jesus die on the cross, they thought it was defeat, utter defeat. But in fact, it was victory because he rose from the dead and he made a way to heaven for us all. Hallelujah. John 16, 33 says, Jesus was predicting his death to the disciples and he said to them, These things I have told you that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And I just love that scripture. Be of good cheer. If I wake up in the morning and I look at the grey skies and I feel a bit dismal, I say, be of good cheer, Jesus has overcome the world. The sun is shining in heaven. Hallelujah. (laughs) Now if we look at this scripture again, verse 10, it talks about Jesus and then it talks about the thief. He does not come except to steal, to kill and to destroy. And so we can see there's a contrast between life and death in this scripture. As believers we know that Jesus has saved us from destruction. He's given us a life that is more than enough. But if you're feeling beaten down today, if circumstances have got the better of you, if you have the winter blues, sometimes people get the winter blues in January and February, you can know the scripture today. If you're not a Christian, if you've never given your life to Christ, but you want the abundant life that is spoken about in this scripture, you can come for prayer today. You can believe the word of God, for God's journey for you is abundant life. 
this year, 2015. You know, we've said goodbye to 2014 and we have a new page before God. Let's lift our hearts in faith. Let's have an expectation from him and see what God will do this year. In our own lives, in the life of IBTI, in the life of the church here, God is an abundant God and nothing is impossible with him. So let's not limit ourselves. Let's not limit God to what our own understanding. But look at his creation. Look at your testimonies and see what God can do. I'll leave you now with a, a last scripture. It's from Ephesians 3, verse 20. And it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God richly bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.